Jen, Miss Sarah, appreciate that. And, and of course, uh, Crystal playing for us this morning in the offertory, or the um, invitation. Thank you so much for your playing. I would like you to take your Bibles tonight and find Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Luke's Gospel, chapter number one. Now, we have been studying the, the uh, book of Ecclesiastes, and we'll pick Ecclesiastes back up in January. And we have been looking at things pertaining to the uh, birth of Christ and the events of that. Uh, so uh, we want to look tonight in Luke's Gospel, chapter number one, find that place. And we'll make our prayer to the Lord and we'll get started this evening. Again, thank you for coming out. The weather was not as bad as they said it was going to be. The way they talked on the radio sounded like we were all going to die with floods and monsoons and this was it. But... Uh, Thank God the, the, the weather people are consistent. They're always wrong. And we, we praise the Lord for that. All right. I thought Jen was coming to the altar. Wow. Well, never mind. Oh, she's taking notes and her Bible. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful we can be here this evening. Thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for Jesus who loved us. Thank you for the local church where we can gather tonight and the, and the safety of this building and the warmth of it all. And, the, and the, the see friends and, and those we know on uh, this one time of the week where we are able to, to gather. Now, bless the Word of God. May we learn something tonight that will encourage us, challenge us, and draw us closer to our Savior. Where, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Luke's Gospel tells us the beginning of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ and all the details around it. The first, three ch first two chapters really are dedicated to that. Matthew's gospel also goes into great detail, explaining events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. John's gospel, chapter number 1, and verses 1 through 14, declare that, again, that the eternal word uh, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And there we see, the, again, the reference to the birth of Christ in Bethlehem. Now, God has given us a lot of ink and has given us great detail about this miraculous event that it took place over 2,000 years ago, an event that has changed the course of history, so much so that even our calendar is broken up into B.C. and A.D. Now, of course, the liberals don't like that, and they've changed now it's B.C.E. and A.D.E. or something else. They've rearranged that so we'd have no reference to Christ, but... For those of us who grew up in the old school, we remember, we remember B.C., which stands before Christ, and A.D. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't mean after death. It's a Latin words. But uh, one kid said that uh, B.C. stood for before, before coffee, and then A.D. stood for after donuts. That was one kid in Sunday school's interpretation of that phrase. But it always had to do with Christ and, and how the year, as we know it, started with the birth of Christ. Now... We always try to be Bible-centered. We want to believe and practice exactly what Scripture tells us to believe. We don't want to add or detract from anything the Bible has to say. And there is a problem in our societies and always has been where we will emphasize one truth or one person uh, beyond what Scripture tells us to do. And that is the case with Mary herself. Now, in Scripture, Mary has her place. Mary is is given a position uh, of being called blessed among women. 
And some have taken that and they've elevated, elevated Mary to a place where she has no business and there's no scriptural standing for Mary whatsoever. She's called the Queen of Heaven. She's called the Mother of God. She is called Co-Redeemer, Co-Redemptress. She's given these names, again, that are not found anywhere in Scripture. Uh, we're to, you're told to pray to Mary and ask her to intercede and, and, and help you and aid you in your salvation. Again, no such terminology is found in your Bible. In fact, when you read your Bible, you'll see Mary, the Mother of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Acts chapter number 1, and she disappears from the rest of the New Testament. She is never mentioned again. The Apostle Paul and, uh, and the rest of the New Testament writers, John and Peter, uh, never mention her one more time. If she is, as some say she is, a, a matter of your salvation and part of your salvation, then she would be mentioned uh, definitely in the epistles and, and most definitely in the book of Romans, which talks about our sanctification, justification, and how we can have forgiveness of sins in this relationship with Almighty God. But Mary is never part of the equation. And so we can go to that extreme or we can go to the other extreme where we will dismiss her altogether. And, and because this side has emphasized it so much, we will dismiss her and never make mention of her for fear that we might be accused of uh, giving her that position, that, that, uh, uh, that place in, in, in that does not belong. Now, we see here in Scripture in chapter number 1 uh, where we have the uh, the birth of John has been foretold in verses 5 through 25. And then in verses 26 through 38, we have the angel appearing to Mary and explaining to Mary uh, all that is going to take place to her. And then Mary, after she gets this visitation from the angel, in verse number 39 through 45, goes down and visits her cousin Elizabeth, who is at least uh, six months expecting with John the Baptist. And she goes down to see her, and they are excited that these two ladies, one being an elderly woman, is expecting the, 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 the man, who the forerunner, who is to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, and Mary is to give birth to Christ. Preacher, it's good to see you tonight. You, you, you should have been here 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Sorry. It's good. We'll give you some time after service, and you can talk more, Okay. We're glad you're here tonight, and you and your wife and son. Praise the Lord. Now, in verses number 46 through 56, we have the song of Mary. Uh, and we want to take time tonight to look at this song that Mary has to sing. It has also been given the name, this hymn, this song has been given the name of uh, Magnificat, which comes from the Latin Vulgate translation. And this is a hymn, it's a personal hymn, that Mary is singing about God and all that God has done for her. So sometimes you may hear that phrase, you know, people talk about the Magnificat, and you wonder, well, what is exactly the Magnificat? What are they referring to? That's Mary's song found here in Luke's Gospel. Now, it's a, it's a declaration, it's a praise psalm. That's what it is. Now, again, these were not songs sung like we sang tonight. These were sung differently. The hymns were sung differently in the Psalms. They were sung in a different format than the way we are used to singing songs. But Mary's praises of God with a recital of what God has done for her. And this hymn that we see here in verses 46 
through 56 is a recital, and it's one of four hymns that you will find in Luke's gospel. The first hymn or psalm of praise is found in, in chapter number 1. Uh, well, actually, this is the first one, but the second one would be found in verses 67 through 79. And that is the, the father Zacharias and how he praises the Lord after he's able to speak, after his wife gives birth, and, and she, he gives that psalm there. We go to chapter number 2, and one very quick song is found in verse number 14, where the angels cry out, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Now that's just one little verse there, but it's still a psalm. It's a hymn. It's a song of praise that the angels of God are singing because what God has done, God has provided a Savior, a, a baby, who is going to grow up to be a man who will deliver Israel and provide the remedy for sin for the world. We go to the next one, which is in chapter number 2, in verse number uh, 29, where we see... Uh, a, a psalm, it says, and um, this is a psalm, by the way, of a, a, a man who by the name of Simeon, who was waiting for the, the, the Lord to come. He was an old man. And in verse 29, he says, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. And Simeon gives this psalm, this song from 29 to 32. Again, it's a very short little song, a very short praise, but it is his Psalm, his song. So in Luke's gospel, we find four songs recorded for us. And all of these songs have to do with the birth of Jesus Christ and people praising the Lord. And so what we do this time of year in December, when we sing songs concerning the birth of Christ and we lift up our voices, it's a scriptural thing to do. Because we find people here crying out and thanking God for what he has done for them. Now, we go back to Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 46. We have Mary's praise to God. Now, again, God is the subject of Mary's song. That's the, that's the focus. She's not praising herself. She's not praising Joseph. She's not praising anybody. And God is always to be the focus of our song. Too often today, the songs emphasize us and what's going on in our life instead of focusing upon who God is and what God has done. That's a true hymn, by the way, one that uh, glorifies and worships God. Again, she's not singing about herself and she is not praising herself. She was not thinking about things which she might accomplish. And listen, it's a wonderful thing when God saves us to know that God can use us to accomplish great things. But we never sing about what we have done. We sing about what God has done for us and what he's doing through us. In spite of ourselves, in spite of our weaknesses, in spite of our failures, God can use us. And so we don't sing and praise and, and talk about us. I've, I, I see so many people. The internet is a it's an amazing thing where we can see some wonderful things and we also see some crazy things. Especially in the area of Christianity where some people think it's all about them. And I, I, I just I scratch my head at those individuals. The Lord was the subject of her song and the, and the subject of her praise and rejoicing. I want you to note two things if we can. In this song it says, 
Again, Mary, at this point in time, she's done a lot. A lot has gone on when you read the whole entire chapter. And she is no doubt, she is very tired and she is exhausted. She has left her home, traveled south to be with her cousin. And that is a long journey from Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem. It's an arduous journey and it would take her quite some time to get there. But in this journey, she was not thinking about herself, but she was, again... It was all about the Lord. Now she comes in, she sits down, and she walks in the door, and, and Elizabeth begins her proclamation of praise under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And Elizabeth begins to say, this is what God's done for me. God's going to give me a child. And this child's name is going to be John. And, and, and this is what God has done. He sent this angel to talk to Zachariah. Isn't that right, Zachariah? And since he can't talk, he just goes, mm-hmm. That was probably the best Six months of that woman's life, next best nine months of that woman's life there, where her husband couldn't say a word except mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and just sit there and nod his head or say no. Sometimes women complain that their husbands do don't do any talking, and uh, and sometimes they complain they talk too much. But this is a real wonderful chance for Elizabeth here. In this point in time, she probably prayed, Lord, can you do that one more time? <laughs> one more time, Jesus, <laughs> shut my husband's mouth, and that'd be a wonderful thing. I don't think so, but we can have a little humor with it. Mary, when she saw Elizabeth singing, she forgot about her tiredness, and her faith is being confirmed. She visits Elizabeth, sees what God is doing there, and that helps her faith. And my friend, when we come together in church, we, what we do, not only do we sing, and we hear the preaching of the Word of God, but when we talk to each other, we'll share stories, what God is doing, what's going on in our lives, and what we're doing is we're encouraging one another to continue to serve God. We're encouraging one another that God will be faithful, and, and God will get you through whatever you're going through as we tell what God has done for us. She knew the angel had come to to visit her was not a figment of her imagination. Now, we may be thinking, well, maybe I dreamed that. Maybe that wasn't real. Maybe that was just something I, I made up in my mind. But no, you had an angel come to you as well? Well, that's amazing. That, that, this definitely confirms what is going on here with this situation. It was real. We see in verse number 28 of, of chapter number 1, where it says, And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. So this was not some dreamy state of mind. You ever have a dream where you're like in that halfway state of mind and you're like, uh, and you hear things and you're like, I tell my wife, did you hear that? And my wife, no. I thought I heard somebody yelling. No, you were just dreaming or make, you know, it was just that dreamy state of mind where you find yourself between sleep and being awake where you're like, you know, just find yourself crashing. But you may hear things or you may feel something. But it's just that dreamy state. Where you've, and so Mary knows this was not a dreamy state. This was a real angel that appeared unto me. And my friend, God assures and confirms the faith of all of us. We believe and trust, and, and as the need arises, God steps in to confirm the reality of what we believe. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter number 7, Know, fair, know therefore that the Lord, thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandment to a thousand generation. God is faithful, my friend. Always remember that. When you 
don't think he is. And when Satan trying to deceive you and, and convince you that God is no longer faithful, just know he's a liar and God will always be faithful. Something else we see here is that the, 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 the one thing that can overcome tiredness and exhaustion, and we all get tired and we all face exhaustion, even serving God. We've had people, I just need to take a break. I'm, I'm burnt out. I, I, listen, I have been preaching since I was 18 years old. I've lost track of how many, I've never kept track of how many sermons, and I've preached a thousand and one sermons, I'm sure. But I never get tired of preaching the eternal truths of God's Word. It's a privilege to stand behind this sacred desk and proclaim God's truth to God's people who are hungry and want to hear it. I can't say they've always been good sermons. I can't say they've been my best sermons. But I've always done my best to deliver what the Word of God has to say. And I've always felt if I'm just quoting Scripture, that's better than anything I can ever think of in my skull because I'm quoting what God has already said to be true. But I've never thought, you know what, I need a break. I know preachers, I need a sabbatical. I need six months off. Listen, we all need a vacation. But I don't, I don't quit serving Jesus. I don't quit wanting to preach. I don't quit wanting to read the Bible. I don't quit wanting to spend time with my God. Be careful of those things because I found very few people who take those sabbaticals seldom come back. I know guys who, and, and this is for Steve here, I, I know guys who go off to Bible college, just joking Steve, but pay attention though. I know guys, and, and Crystal can attest to this fact, who go off to Bible college, and, and, and I know pastors are waiting for their kids to come back to Bible college, and when they come back to church, they can't get them to do anything. They're like bumps on a log. You want to, nah, I did four years of college, I'm kind of tired, and and they don't teach, and they don't visit, and they won't work a bus route. They won't do anything. They're just sitting there, and next thing they disappear. My soul, my friend, you, I want to serve God. What can I do for Jesus? We all get tired. We all get worn out. And we're all going to go home tonight and, 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 and eventually crash this evening because we're tired. But we're going to wake up this, tomorrow morning and, and, and serve God all over again. We desperately need to seek God. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor, and are heavy laden, and what? I will give you rest. You want rest, you don't run away from God. You go to God, and God gives you rest. There have been times where I didn't sleep, and I couldn't get sleep at night because I was busy doing something for God. And I said, now, Lord, I, I got a lot to do. I've argued with God. You ever argue with God? I do that sometimes. Now, God, I got a lot to do tomorrow. And I can't be doing this right now. I need a night's sleep. And I learned a long time ago that God can multiply your sleep. If you just get one hour, God can make that eight hours. I've had eight hours that felt like one hour. <laughs> ever, you ever do that? Man, I, I was wrestling all night. Couldn't find a cold spot on that pillow no matter how hard I tried. And the blankets were like 110 degrees. You just <laughs> And just let and tossed and rolled all night long like a, like a hot dog on a roller at 7-Eleven. Just couldn't get comfortable or chimichanga, whatever those things are. My friend, when I've served God, crawled into bed for one hour, and after one hour woke up, and I can go for another 12 hours because God multiplied my sleep. Now, he doesn't do that often, but when it's needed to be done, God will do it. So we have no doubt that Mary was tired, Mary was exhausted, but Mary was serving God, and she was able to do some things. Now, again, it says in verse number 46, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. That word magnify means to declare the greatness of. 
The idea is habitual. That means that the habit of Mary's soul was to magnify the Lord. She kept magnifying God. When I was a kid, I found a magnifying glass in our house, and I went into the backyard, and I used that magnifying glass to write my name in pieces of wood. I'd get a piece of wood, and I'd burn my name. My brother took a magnifying glass, and he burnt his name into his baseball glove, so this way nobody would be able to steal his and, and burn his initials into that baseball glove. Then we discovered that we can take that magnifying glass, and we can kill ants with the magnifying glass. And so we would like... And, uh, and magnifying the sun's rays, concentrating it to burn into something. We put it on a friend's neck when he wasn't looking and, and burn his neck and have him scream in pain. These are things boys do, by the way. If you've never done those things, you've probably missed out on a lot in life. Girls are all staring at me like we're nuts, but that's what... Girls, if you just know that's what your sons will do one day and uh, just be ready for it. Mary's soul magnifies God. I got these glasses. You know why are these glasses? Because they magnify what I cannot see now, which looks like chicken scratch all over a piece of paper. I cannot read one thing on this paper. But I put these trifocals on, and I'm able to see again. They're magnifying the letters on these paper. My soul and your soul and our lives ought to magnify God so that everybody sees God. They're not seeing us, they're seeing God. And, and Mary was the type of person that her soul, her life, was one that magnified God. That's why God used her, because she had dedicated her life to God. Uh, God will use her. Again, she's dedicated to God. She wasn't locked away in some nunnery somewhere. She was going to be married, and she did get married, and she had had children. She was going to live a life and, and do all the things that every other lady was doing in Israel. But her life still was dedicated to Almighty God. Mary, again, magnified God. And we ought to, with our lives, magnify God. I want you to notice here that, again, Mary was greatly blessed by God, but she did not slip into the sin of pride. And so often that when God uses us, we can think, hey, I'm really something. Look what God's doing with me. And the minute we get like that, God will take us, put us off to the side, and let us get over self for a little while. Then when we get humble enough, he'll... He'll, he'll let us go back in. I remember when I played football in high school, uh, I played defensive line, offensive line, and, and uh, one play, uh, the kid ran right past me with the ball, and the coach got real mad at me and called me out. Swikowski, you get over the first time in my football career, I was pulled out of the game and stood there on the sidelines, and I was fuming because I let that kid get past me. I, could, I was blocking a kid. We played a team from Rawway, and they were like, it was like the weekend release program from Rollway. I mean, these kids were huge. And so I was uh, trying to get this offensive player, and so I didn't see the kid come shooting past me at 100 miles an hour. If I did, I would have taken care of him. But I'm standing there on the side. And by the way, they, 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 two plays later, they scored a touchdown while I was on the sidelines. We lost 7 nothing. I'm just saying. But I sat there, and I'm like, Lord, I finally said, Coach, I want to get back in the game. He said, okay, Swikowski, get back in there. We had a piece of work coach. Said, All right, gentlemen. And I do mean gentlemen. What does that even mean? He was a piece of work, that guy. But God may humble us and take us off to the side. But Mary was not like that. Mary was a person who was humble, and she walked with God. And the, the more we're blessed by God, the, the more dangerous the sin of pride becomes. We must learn to live praising God more and more. 
And the more he blesses us, the more we must learn to praise God. The problem is God blesses us something, we forget all about him. Woo, look what I got. Instead of saying, no, God did this. Praise God. Look what God gave me. Look what God did for me. Look what God allowed me to do. And praise him for it, knowing it had nothing to do with us. She says again, my, we notice her humility here where she says, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior in verse number 47. God was Mary's Savior. Mary said, is saying here three significant things. God saw her need for a Savior, and Mary recognized her need, that she was a sinner and needed a Savior, just like everyone else was. This idea that, listen, there is a teaching that Mary's mother was virgin born, and, uh, and that Mary... Mary herself was virgin born. And that's the Immaculate Conception, by the way. Jesus is not the Immaculate Conception. The Immaculate Conception is that, G that Mary herself was born without an earthly father and virgin, and then she was, gave birth to Jesus Christ. That's, that's false theology. Mary was born with a mother and father. She had a sinful nature just like you and I have. She was just like every other woman on planet Earth. And just like every woman and man on planet earth, what does she need? She needed a savior. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my savior. If Mary was sinless, Mary would not need a savior. But sinners need a savior. And Mary is rejoicing the fact that God is her savior. She makes this personal confession. She was proclaiming that God saw her need and that God saved her. And we ought to rejoice that God has saved us. Never get over the fact that God saved you. I, 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 I marvel at it all the time that God wants anything to do with me. And that he put his hand on me and said, Matt, walk with me. And preach the unsearchable riches of Christ Jesus. I've, I've never gotten over that. And we never ought to get over the fact that God wants to use us. Because he saved us. He says here that God saw her low estate. Mary recognized where she had come from and just how lowly a person she was. In the eyes of the world, she was a nobody. Why was she a nobody? Because in the eyes of the world, she was poor. She was obscure. She was unknown. She was insignificant and of little purpose and meaning in people's life. By the way, you can tell a lot about a person's character how they treat people they don't need. You think about that. There's people in your life you don't need. But that, my friend, doesn't mean you don't treat them like they're not human. They may be needing you, but be careful. God looks down upon those poor, insignificant, Little nobodies, those poor souls out there that to the world really have no value whatsoever. Listen, the, the, the poor and the insignificant don't make it on the covers of those magazines at the checkout stands. You see all the Hollywood crowd on those papers. I'm thank God, like, by the way, I, when I look at those magazine covers, I'm like, I have no idea who these people are. I'm like, who is this person? Who's this one? I, I have no idea. And people look at me like I got three heads. Because I, I haven't kept up with these people. Mary was 
obscure person from a little town of Nazareth. And as we've already stated on Sunday mornings, Nazareth was a town that people looked down upon. Even the disciples said, can anything good come from Nazareth? It was like, ew, Nazareth? Mm, okay. It was a, a looked-down-upon village because nobody of any great significance came out of Nazareth. Well, yes, they did. <laughs> Mary came from there, and, and Joseph's going to come from there, and, and, and our Savior is going to come from there. Every now and then you'll see famous people from New Jersey. How many people? Famous people from New Jersey. We look at that list to see who we know that's from New Jersey. Oh, Frank Sinatra came from Hoboken. You know, when I think of Hoboken, I think R.A. Torrey was born in Hoboken. <laughs> Didn't stay there long, but R.A. You say, who's R.A. Torrey? That's the, yeah, that's, uh, there's, no, there's no place in, in, in Hoboken that'll say R.A. Torrey, the great evangelist of the, of, the, uh, uh, of the 19th century, was born in this, in this spot. But yet R.A. Torrey shook three continents for Jesus Christ. And yet, he never makes the list of famous people from New Jersey. You get the Sinatras and the Costellos and the Springsteens and all the rest of them bunch. Well, you won't get the ones who did something for heaven and meant something for Almighty God. God usually chooses the least person to more clearly demonstrate his mercy and his power. When God needed a man to defeat the armies, who'd he found? He found a frightened, terrified Gideon. You're, you're, you're the oh, mighty man of valor. Are you talking to me? I'm, I'm hiding behind a barn right now. Mighty man of valor? Are you kidding me? Hey, Moses, I want to use you. I can't talk. I can't. What are you talking to me? I, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have, I'm not eloquent in speech. That's the one God always uses. And God's going to use Mary because their heart was always right. Their heart was right. My friend, if the heart's right, God will use you. That's all God wants. God doesn't need good looks and charm and talent and abilities. God just wants somebody who's, whose heart. We must all know where we have come from. And my friend, when we realize where we've come from, we realize just how far God had to come down to save us. And I'm glad that the arm of God is able to reach down to the most lowly of places and pull people out of it and save them and do something great with them. The Bible says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. The purpose of Christ's coming, my friend, was to bring us to God, to reach down and, and pull out worthless sinners and make them into a child of God. And no matter how low, how, how, how nothing we may be, God cares and God will reach down uh, out to us. He'll take us by the hand. He'll lift us up. He'll give us purpose, meaning, and significance. God will make us somebody, and God will use us in giving us a full meaning of life. Listen, my friends, you're all important to Almighty God. You do something in this church, you're important to Almighty God. You know, there's, there's kids who count on some of you to do something, be there every Sunday to show up. And when you're not there, those kids get disappointed. We need people to play and, and sing and do things. It's important. That people are there to do that. You say, oh, nobody will miss me. No, my friend, you, you are missed. You are missed. And God will, when we think about all these things, and Mary, what she did, God caused her to be remembered. 
Amazing thing, God using this little girl out of Nazareth that she thought in her life, you know, she's one of the people who's going to live her life and get married, have kids, and, and eventually pass on, and the world would never know who she was. Well, God made sure that we did know who she was. And God called her blessed among women. God gave her a rightful place. In 49 through 50, as she continues in her song, For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. Here we see God's attributes being proclaimed. And Mary proclaimed three of the glorious attributes of God. Mary proclaimed God's power. Two things in particular we see here in mind. Again, the promised Messiah was now to be born. The hope of the world was to now be fulfilled. And so many generations of waiting, God's power was now to be demonstrated in a way that was never been witnessed before. The Messiah is going to be here. The promised Messiah was to be born of a virgin. It was an event and a method never before witnessed. God is doing something miraculous. The world never put Isaiah 7.14 into its mentality that, that this is how it's going to be. It's just one of those verses they read and probably went, huh, wonder what that means, and, and kept on reading. You ever read a verse, you wonder what that means. Eh, and you keep reading, well, eventually God may oh, you know, get the light bulb on in your head and you say, oh, that's what that verse means. God illuminates it. This was a miracle. This is the enormous power of God demonstrated the, even in the birth of the Messiah. And he says, he that as mighty had done to me great things. He had done great things. He that is mighty had done great things. To me had done great things. My friend, when God saved you, he that is mighty did great things for you. Don't think your salvation is some insignificant event. Stop waiting for some God to do something else. No, my friend, the fact that he saved you is, a, is the mighty hand of God. Because the only thing that can save you is God. And God did that for you. Mary proclaimed God's holiness, where she says, holy is his name. We sing a great song in our hymnal, holy, holy, holy. Some people sometimes, oh, I hate that song. It's kind of like, holy, holy, My friend, we're praising God. We're talking about one of the most wonderful attributes of Almighty God, His absolute holiness. We cannot fathom the holiness of God. It's beyond our comprehension because all we know is sin. We are defiled and we all, that's all, but God is so holy He never even thinks about sin. He's absolutely pure. When our Lord was transfigured, they saw Him in, in, in clothing so white that no bleach or fuller can make any clothes that white. They were seeing his holiness. Moses said, God, I want to see you. And he said, no, no man can look upon me and live. Why? Because of God's absolute holiness. It's, uh, it's, it's unapproachable. And my friend, the only way we're going to approach God's holiness is when we are wearing his holiness that we received from Jesus Christ. That gives us access because I am now wearing his righteousness because I had none of my own. His very nature he is very being is different. God is both pure being. He's, a, he's pure in thought and everything he does. He's perfect. 
We say, oh, if I was God, listen to my friend, if you were God, I'm glad you're not God. I just all I got to say. Some of you take six words to order a coffee, and so I'm, I'm glad you're not God. Amen? If, if, if you order coffee and it's more than three words, there's something wrong with you. You're, you're the problem in society. I want a mocha chai latte frappe with a soy skim. You know, stop, okay? God is holy, and God is a perfect being, and he's set apart from all other go- beings. There's nobody like God. So we question, why is God, God's holy and he's doing what is right? And all this foolishness is going to stop one day. They're all going to stop waving their rainbow flags and, and they're all going to figure out what gender they are real quick one day. <laughs> I'm guarantee you, those, that crowd that, that floats between 20 genders a day, one day when Jesus shows up is going to get that all straightened out real quick. I, I promise you that. Because they're going to see a holy God Mary proclaimed God's mercy. Verse 47, again, God's mercy. God is rejoiced. God, my Savior. My friend, God is always a merciful God. The Bible says it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, the scripture teaches us. Who is like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity? And passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. For he retaineth not his anger forever. Because what he delighteth in mercy. God delights in doing mercy. God's glorious mercy is is seen in sending a savior. To those who feared, who reverenced him. And note that Mary saw God's mercy passing down from generation. She knows that God has been good and what God has done. And she thanked him for it. And the Bible commands us that we are to give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. To give thanks in everything, give thanks. In 51 through 53, we see Mary talking about God's power, God's sovereignty. And God has reserved. The order of things on earth. We see this in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich hath he sent empty away. What Mary saw was that God had reserved the order of things on the earth. God scatters the proud. How do people think better than themselves? Better. How do people think themselves better? Well, first of all, by their looks. Some people think they're really good looking or they're beautiful. I worked in a house years ago and the girl had in the bathroom above her mirror a sign. I remember working there and she was a piece of work, by the way. You know, I could just walk in the house and just know people. And she was... This girl had a sign in her house. It said, I'm so beautiful, no man deserves me. <laughs> That's why she was alone. <laughs> that explains that situation because no guy wants to put up with that foolishness. I was sitting there. Renee and I were going out to eat one night, and I think the kids were in the car, and a, a, a Jeep pulled up next to us, and there's a girl in the Jeep, and she had the air conditioner on high with the fans blowing, and she's sitting there. I said, how many selfies is this girl taking? We just sat there the whole entire time. For 30 seconds of that light, she's... 
And by the way, you know, you guys and girls, you're, you're looking for somebody. If somebody's screensaver is a picture of themselves, you walk away. You walk away. Or some guy. Just, just walk away. <laughs> I'm just helping you out with some advice here. So you're on a date one day. He takes out his phone. He's like, okay, check, check. Their looks, by their person, by their position, by their wealth, by their ability, by their heritage, by their achievement, by their possession. These are ways in which people think themselves better than others. And it's foolishness, my friend, because your looks don't last forever. Hollywood thinks they can make them last forever. They've got enough injections out there. And by the way, you put enough of that stuff in you, you, you just grow old gracefully, my friends. Just grow old gracefully. Mary predicted that at the end of time, the Lord will have scattered all such pride. Now, again, they're the, pride or, the prideful are still with us, but someday, my friend, God will take care of all of them. The Lord hath dethroned the mighty and exalted the humble. The mighty are those who sit in position of power and authority and influence over others. And we need to be, watch those people. Be careful of those who want to rule over others for the sake of exalting themselves. And Mary predicted at the end time the Lord will have dethroned the mighty and exalted those of low, of low degree. My friend, God will displace the, the mighty one day and the proud and God will exalt the humble. The Bible says that who shall inherit the earth? The meek. Now, it's not happening. It will. The meek will inherit the earth one day. The proud will be taken out. The Lord hath Filled the hungry, she says, and emptied the rich. Those who are rich in this world's good are seen as stripped of all their earthly goods and sent away empty. And those who have nothing in this world, but who put their trust in God, are seeing have received all good things. And she closes this really out in verse 54 and 55 here, where she says, He hath hope in his servant, Israel, in remembrance of his mercy. And he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. God had remembered in mercy. The people, Israel, desperately needed God's mercy and God's deliverance. They were enslaved to Rome. And the Galatians says that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. It was the right time. It was the perfect time. It's when Christ was to be born. Jesus didn't show up late. He showed at the, the darkest of, of, and cruelest of empires. Rome may have been mighty. It may have been genius in a lot of things it did, but it was a cruel cruel empire. It was built on the backs of slaves and everything was done through slave labor and everybody was a slave to Rome. Everywhere they conquered, whether they went up into Gaul or, 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 or uh, the Celtic region or whether they went down over into uh, the area of Persia or down into Africa, they made everybody slaves and they built their empires and, and millions of people died under the wheels of the Roman Empire. It was a brutal regime. But my friend, in that great darkness, what did God bring? God brought light and that a Savior was born, giving men hope. And although God did not crush the Roman Empire, my friend, he someday will crush the revived Roman Empire and establish his kingdom. God had remembered his promise to the Messiah. He promised the Messiah to the fathers of Israel, to Abraham and to Abraham's seed. And God is now keeping his word. Here's the Messiah I promised to Abraham so long ago. I've kept my word. And in the conclusion, Mary remained with Elizabeth for about three months. The very time that was needed to make sure that she was pregnant. She needed 
Again, women, when they figure out that they might be expecting, they usually wait for that first two or three months to make sure, okay, we're at this point now, and, and this is definitely it. And we know we are in this state of mind, this state of body. And she needed the encouragement of Elizabeth until the actually happened was proven. We notice here the simple childlikeness of Mary, her need for support, her need for encouragement of an older sister, so to speak, with Elizabeth. And we all need that, by the way. We all need the encouragement of somebody older than us to, to help us along the road. Somebody more spiritual in nature. The Bible says, We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Galatians teaches us, but that we are to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2. And so here is Mary's song. It is a beautiful song. It is a song of praise to God and all that God has done and all that God will do. And we give Mary that glory and the credit and give her a place of honor among women because she did something that no other woman had ever done. She gave birth to Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, bless the time, bless the hour now. Now, Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can sit down, Miss Sarah, for a second. I'm sorry. I... We had a guest preacher walk in tonight. Pastor Gomez is here. Now, Pastor Gomez, you walked in 20 minutes earlier. I would have let you preach, but you showed up late. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, how long are you going to be in the area? The whole year. All right. All right. Well, we can schedule you to come back and preach for us and give us a report on the work. We'd like, we'll, we'll talk after church. Now, this is Pastor Gomez. He's down in Columbia. This is his wife and son here tonight. And, uh, and uh, preacher, I've been trying to get in touch with somebody how to get a card for you. You got a card tonight? Because I think the last time you didn't have a card. And so I, was, I don't have a, have a card for our missions board for you. And so, uh, where's Gerard when you want him? He's Mr. Columbia. Where's he at tonight? You think he'd show up? Right, Steve? Shame. We'll get it after church, preacher. If you have some, put them on the table here. We'll distribute it in church. But uh, let's stand together for prayer. All right, Miss Sarah, now you want to come? My friend, maybe God spoke to your heart tonight about something. You just want to come find a place here at this altar. And... Uh...